When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. And it left the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Trapped, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Country music and fine moonshine. You look like the vermin-ridden son of a bitch you are. A podcast for every Everyone in the good old USA and all around the world. Quality booze and country music at its best. So you're saying you set my country music award on fire? The music, nice and loud. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to a eleven, exactly. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's boots and whiskey podcast at gmail.com. Mr. Swimming with bow-legged women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well, my advice to you. Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey everyone, before we start the show today, I just wanted to let you know about a new partner we have here at the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. We are now brand ambassadors for Web Western Apparel. That's webwestern.com, W-E-B-B-W-E-S-T-E-R-N.com. Go check out their stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Hats, shirts, all kinds of goodies. If you go there at checkout, Put in promo code BOOTS21, that's B-O-O-T-S-2-1. Again, BOOTS21 at checkout. You will get 10% off your entire order. Don't miss out on these opportunities. It's absolutely fantastic what they're doing. Again, thank you, Web Western. BOOTS21 is their promo code, webwestern.com. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. Cheers, everyone. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim, I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have the Allegheny High on the show. I have been waiting to put this episode out now for, oh man, just about a month. Um, We recorded this over Memorial Day weekend and we all decided that it would be the best opportunity to release the episode the week that... Charles Wesley Godwin and the Allegheny High are here in Boston. They will be here Thursday night uh, at the Royale. Um, There are a few tickets left 
for some ungodly reason. Um, so if you haven't gotten your tickets and you're in the area, go get them now before it's too late. You're not going to want to miss this show at the Royale with Charles Wesley Godwin in the Allegheny High. Um, so for those of you that didn't know who the Allegheny High are, um, they are Charles Wesley Godwin's band. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of that in this episode. So I don't want to say too much about that and how that is. Um, I want you to hear it for yourselves. So thank you for tuning in today. Um, I have a, I have a sneaky suspicion that we're going to get some new listeners with this episode. So thank you so much for taking the time and, um, checking us out. Um, this is a, the way we do this is it's a full conversation. It's, there's no pre-planned questions. There's nothing. Um, we go in it just shooting the shit like, you know, buddies do. So a big thank you to the Allegheny High for taking their time um, and coming on the show. We're very much looking forward to seeing them and saying hello on Thursday while they are here. And, you know, we'll report back to you with that all. Um, just some housekeeping stuff this weekend. We did get the opportunity and the chance to see Travis Denning at... Um, off the rails here in Worcester, um, one of our partner locations. So a big thank you to them. A big thank you to Travis. Um, Travis will be on the show next Tuesday. That um, that will be the episode that's released next Tuesday. We are also going to have Matthew Davidson um, in July. Matthew is Travis's guitar player. Um, that was a great conversation. Both of those conversations are ab- were absolutely fantastic. So... Come back for those. Um, we are going to release another episode this week at the end of the week. Might be Thursday, might be Friday. It'll probably be more Friday. Um, we are going to release the Brian Johansson um, episode that we've been pushing all month. Um, that's going to come out sooner than Tuesday. And... You know, a lot of it was just logistical things. I wanted to get Brian's out and, um, you know, because of some things I needed to get Travis's out sooner than later. So, which is no big deal. Um, Brian is, I'm sure, going to be just fine with it. Um, And that's that. So thank you again for tuning in. If you aren't following us on social media, please do so on everything. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, we're on there. Um, you can find it in our LinkedIn on our, all of our pages, I believe go right to our LinkedIn, not LinkedIn, our <laughs> link tree. Oh boy. I am tired today, folks. Um, so yeah, go to our link tree. All of the, all of the links are there. You can find everything everywhere. So thank you so much for all the support. Go like subscribe, you know, rate comment, Whatever, whatever, whatever it is you do, it helps us immensely. Thank you so much. Um, so really, without further ado, guys and girls, I present to you my conversation with the Allegheny High. I hope you enjoy.
We want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Off the Rails here in Worcester, Massachusetts at 90 Commercial Street, Worcester. They have the best food, the best music around. You will not go wrong. Go to their website, offtherailsworcester.com. You can see their lineup of shows. You can see their menu. You can see the local talent they have. Absolute fantastic people. We love being a part of the Off the Rails family, and we love having them being part of our family. Thank you so much to Off the Rails. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey, guys. Hello, boys. Hey, man. How's hey. it going? going on thanks for thanks for taking your time on a sunday morning to uh to chat with us here appreciate it man thanks for having us oh anytime anytime i've uh this was like a, a shot in the dark interview request to be honest with you i never thought in a million years you guys would say yes <laughs> oh really oh man you're like the first one so <laughs> really well, <laughs> yeah. well that's dumb everybody else doesn't know what they're doing hold on man so this is about you. I'm going to let you kind of, you know, run with this. You know, there's there's no agenda. There's no pressure. There's just, you know, have fun and, you know, be you. Right on, man. Oh, yeah. So uh, so tell us who you are, what you're doing. Why are you here? You know, like all that. <laughs> Good question. Uh, Al, my name's Al Torrance. Um, I first worked with Charles back when he did Seneca. Um, I have a recording studio in Western Pennsylvania. It's just north of Pittsburgh. So that's where Charles and I first met and started working together. Um, hey, I'm Max and uh, I play keys with, with Chuck. And um, yeah, I uh, was been working with Al um, in his studio up here for a while. And uh, whenever he got a whole band together with, with Charles, he, he asked me to jump on. Um, I'm Nate. I play bass in the Allegheny High with Charles, and I think I started when Al asked me to play upright on Seneca a while back. So we all kind of came in at pretty different times, I think, which is cool. Yeah, so. yeah. It was it was kind of like a slow start at the beginning because we were trying to like piece it all together, and then uh, once the dates for for shows started to come a bit more like consistent. That's when we made it more of an official thing to like prioritize it instead of just like session work, you know, at the beginning. So is that how you guys all started? You guys were just doing session work for Charles or were you guys always kind of a unit? So um, when I first started working with, this is Al, when I first started working with Charles, um, he was in between projects. He had just, got out of a band that he was previously in and he was looking to do more solo work. And um, right around that time, I just bought a studio and was kind of trying to figure out like what to do as far as work goes. And, um, you know, Chuck and I were talking and he was like, man, like, I think I have a, enough songs to put a record together. And um, because he was doing it up here in Pittsburgh, um, as far as session guys go, it was, you know, all the connections I had were all the guys that I grew up with and worked with throughout the you know years that I've been working in the city. And so, like, it was like a no brainer for me to just call all of my friends and guys that I knew who played the things that we needed on the record. So, you know, like Nate was saying, when when I needed an upright bass player, I was I mean, I've known Nate forever. And I'm like, hey, man, like, you want to play bass on this record for this guy named Charles? And and then Nate, I think you played and you like didn't even meet Chuck at first. Yeah, we did it no. like 
I think Chuck was back home. That was it was random because yeah, that whole record you just did like kind of piece by piece. Yeah. Right? So yeah, you texted me. I was home from break at school, and I just so happened to have a very expensive upright bass that I was borrowing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll come do it. It was really the first time I, like, I think Al and I like we knew who each other were like right. for a really long time, but like our first interactions on like a serious like musical level were. Um, recording with Charles yeah or for Charles not even with him it wasn't until like I had moved to Morgantown and met him at his CD release party I was like hey man I played bass on your record <laughs> so yeah <laughs> nice yeah. that's awesome no no I'm gonna just pause everybody for a second in case anybody is living under a rock and they don't know who we're talking about when we talk about Charles or Chuck you guys want to tell them who who you're the the band for yeah, we're the band for uh, Charles Wesley Godwin from Morgantown, West Virginia. So. Right. And you guys, now, correct me if I'm wrong. And, you know, I, I don't do a lot of research for my artists before I get into them. Like, obviously, I know who you guys are, right? Um, but I want to hear your story firsthand. I don't want to like, oh, no, I knew they were going to say that. But um, obviously, you guys being on the trajectory that you're on, you know, it's, if you're in the country music world, you can't throw a stone right now and not hear about Charles or you guys or, you know, the people that are in your circle. Right. Yeah. Um, but you guys haven't always been the Allegheny high. Is that right? Um, the band has always been the same. I think it just got officially called the Allegheny high when, I don't know, maybe six or eight months into it. Yeah. We didn't really have a name. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, it was so like. Yeah, I I mean the band kind of formed because of Charles, right? Really, gotcha. Um, yeah, it was a pretty organic thing. I mean, like like we're saying, so you know, Charles, he puts his record out, and um, you know, obviously with that comes more shows, which were at first were more just like acoustic gigs, but then they started to to turn into full band stuff, and um you know when that when that happened and started to get more consistent we 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 kind of looked at it like the mindset like if we're going to go out and play we want to go out and play as a full band with all pieces to it that was kind of the thing from the beginning is like we don't want to just go out with a few people we want to put the best product on stage that we can possibly put out from the beginning and that was like for better or for worse because you know you're running into like how small stages are when you're starting out and Obviously, pay is not like super great at the beginning, but but it was more important for us to like stay together as a band and a unit because I think the shows and also our chemistry also benefited from that from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Now, now when you guys first meet Charles and are doing you know his you know first record more or less, at what point is is there ever a conversation where it's like, all right, so. The band itself, we're going to be, you know, more or less our own separate name, our own separate unit, and Charles will just be Charles. Because you hear it all the time, you know, it's everybody refers to you guys as, you know, Charles Wesley Godwin, you know, and obviously he gives you credit as the Allegheny High, but how how does that work? You know, how is there a disconnect there at, at all? Well, I think that the, the Allegheny High is is there to support Charles. Like, we, oh, we, don't, okay. we don't necessarily exist as the Allegheny High outside of playing with Charles like like we've we've said we've known each other for a long time we'd love to play music 
together. Um, but this is who we are when we support Charles. Um, but we all go off and do our own projects and do our own things as well, you know, when we're not with him. But it's, you know, it it just creates more of a world, you know, for everybody to to have like a backing band for Charles. Right. It feels good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was there, uh, I guess my question was, was there ever a discussion of, you know, um, either you guys not having a band name and just being, you know, his, his band automatically, or, you know, you guys all becoming the Allegheny high or any, anything along those lines? Well, I think we were, we were going to, we were going to stick together no matter what. I mean, I think that was Charles aim from the beginning too. He didn't want to just get a bunch of session guys or a bunch of pickup guys to play in his band, you know? Um, Yeah. And we've been working with him since the beginning and uh, you know, not the beginning of his career. He's been doing stuff on his own for a long time, but once he started playing live, we've been with him since the beginning. So, um, you know, I think that's it just it just keeps us all closer together for sure yeah i think too like it's it's also important to point out that like one of chuck's big inspirations is bruce springsteen in the east street band okay yeah when he looks at a band and and a solo artist i think his lens is more like that like you have the solo artist as one part of it but then like right behind them is the band supporting the solo artist which also kind of becomes like one thing in itself when you hear about Springsteen and the E Street Band. Right. Charles nowadays kind of looks at it more like in the live performances like Charles Godwin and the Allegheny High. Gotcha. That makes yeah. sense. I think there's a it, it after you've seen enough bands and and just kind of been around like what goes on, it's it's kind of clear to see which guys are like, you know, taking out the hired guns who you know, might be different every, every other month or week or whatever, um, versus like a band who like really interacts and is kind of like a unit, you know, it, for some artists, you can see like a clear separation between the artist and the band, which is totally cool. And that's, you know, another, just another way of doing it. Or, um, I think the way that we kind of interact on stage kind of lets you know that we've known each other for a long time or like, that's kind of the goal, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I've, I've been watching some videos of you guys all playing, you know, because I haven't, I haven't had the fortunate uh, moment to see you guys live yet. But, you know, I've been watching some videos of you guys live. And one of our, uh, one of our partners, The Porch, uh, up here in Medford, I know you guys have yeah. been there a yeah. few times. And, you okay. know, uh, Jonathan over there was like, are you, are you going to talk to the Allegheny High? And I was like, yeah. He's like, those are the greatest guys you'll ever talk to in the, in the entire world. And he, you know, he sent me a bunch of videos from, you know, you guys playing there and that room only fits like 300 people. If that, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. and then to see you guys doing what you're doing now. And really the videos he sent me were from, you know, this time last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it's incredible, incredible what you guys are doing. Thanks. Cool. We love it up in Boston, man. We'll be, we'll be up there the 22nd, I believe. Yeah. The week this comes out, you'll be here. We're kind of, yeah. we're making it so that this episode comes out and you guys are here at the same time. So if there's any, if for some ungodly reason, there's any tickets left available to help push it a little bit for you. Oh, sweet. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank sure. you. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a good show too with, uh, with JR. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. So, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. we're hoping to. Uh, we're actually hoping to uh, figure it out so that we can actually be there Thursday night when this, you know, the week this comes out. So. Oh yeah, man. We'll have to. We'll meet in person if you guys are there for sure. It'd be yeah. Great. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, everyone, don't forget about our other partner, the DCU Center, dcucenter.com. Go there for all of their things that are coming. They have concerts. They have hockey. They have indoor football. They have everything you would want for entertainment right here in central Massachusetts. Whether you're local or not, come and check them out. DCU Center, 50 Foster Street in Worcester. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so... You know, let's let's really talk about that, you know, the last year or so, because you guys went from, you know, really playing 300 person, you know, rooms that may or may not have been full to opening for, you know, Zach at Red Rocks, now Shane at Red Rocks a couple of weeks ago. Like, yeah. do you guys even know what the hell's going on? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird, though, because it... it it feels a lot different. A lot, a lot of things change as as things get bigger. But at the same time, it's happened so quickly that we're still <laughs> operating the same way we did two years ago when we were playing those small rooms. And um, that that feels good. I feel yeah. like we kept our heads about it. Um, you know, the, the rooms change, so you're playing those smaller rooms, and they're more intimate, and you're you're kind of living and breathing with the band. And now you're playing in amphitheaters and arenas and you're like 10 feet away from the, the nearest bandmate. So yeah, that's always a little weird, but aside yeah. from the life of it happening, we're just still doing it day to day and just trying to figure it out. So that's awesome. It, it's, it's weird when you're, when you're in it doing it, because I, I think from like the mile high view, it, you get a better perspective of it, but when you're doing it day to day, it doesn't change as much as you think it would because it's still the next show. It's, you know, you're, you're getting in the van driving to the next gig. But then I think what we do is like, we'll look back over the past like three or four months or maybe half a year or something and look back and be like, oh shit, like the, the, the crowds really have grown a lot. And like the, the, the stages have gotten bigger and the, the reception's been so much better and everything. So it's almost like you peek your head up after, a, you know, a few runs and look back at it. You get some perspective. Yeah. Now, again, I'm not, I don't, this is a very hard hitting show and I don't, I don't pull any punches and I don't shy away from things like Nashville would like me to. So I'm going to, I'm going to flat out ask you, do you, do you forget about how good you guys really are? Right. Because you guys are, you guys to me, and I'm not just saying this cause you're on the show. I've had a high regard for Charles and you guys for, for months now. And you know, a lot more than I've had regard for some other people historically in your, in your circle. But do you, do you, um, do you contribute a lot of the current success to those, you know, those people that have taken you out to do direct support like Zach Bryan and, you know, now with Shane and, and others? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, we're always going to do our thing, but um, I mean, you know, opening up for these people, putting us in front of audiences that might not know previously, that's always a plus. Yeah. I think like coming up as a musician too, like trying to do it, you always hear the like the word exposure. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of the times it, it doesn't carry a lot of weight when, where it's like, Oh yeah, come play at the library for four hours. Like, it'll, it'll be great exposure. But honestly, dude, I mean, opening up for Zach Ryan was kind of like, 
It was the breaking point. It was the it, it yeah. was great timing too. Yeah. You know, because right. you guys did a whole tour with him, didn't you? It wasn't just yeah. like a couple of runoffs. Yeah, we did a couple pretty lengthy runs with Zach. Um, I think start it started in twenty twenty one, right? And then yeah, yeah, we did yeah. all of twenty twenty one with him, and then most of twenty twenty two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but but originally in twenty twenty one, I think we were only asked to do the first couple, and then just because, uh, I mean Zach loved how the show opened when we played with them and the bands got along so well he just asked us to just continue on and do (laughs) all of them so it's just i don't know it's the thing that like right time right place i guess but you have to be good and you have to you have to deliver every night and i think one thing we always hang our hat on is like you could put us in any situation and we'll we'll be consistent like we could have bad sound or whatever it is and we'll we'll get we'll get there yeah now, so for, you know, for a run with Zach, like, how does that happen? You know, you say you, you started with just a few shows, but does, you know, does Zach or Zach's people reach out to Charles and be like, hey, do you have any interest in this? Or we're like the two of them kind of friendly and cahoots because they're pretty, I don't want to say the same sound, but, you know, a similar, you know, country music sound that, you know, complements each other very well. Now, was there like a relationship there between them before that? No, I don't really think so. Other than... Zach on Twitter was like, "Hey, I love this song Seneca." But there was a t- there was a time too before we started playing with Zach where we had gotten offered by him like personally to come play in in Alabama or something. Yeah. And, you know, Charles being a man of his word was like, "I have like a 300 cap show booked and 50 people are going to show up, but we like we got to do it." <laughs> you know, like he he never go against our word. So, I think that's when they started kind of going back and forth but really it was just kind of you know management making it actually happen but i think the initial jump was from zach to be like hey let's get this guy to open shows which is definitely flattering for sure yeah it has to come from from the artist on some level because you're you're spending like a lot of time together you know on the road and you're you're sharing a lot of stuff like gear and facilities and all that so you know, on some level, it has to work kind of organically that you get along with each other. And and then also, too, I think Zach, like I said, like he, he really did enjoy like how the show was open, like getting the crowd amped up. And he, he just liked the product that was was being put out. And Zach's kind of like a gut guy. So whenever something like works well, he just goes with it. And I think that's how it worked at, at the beginning when we started going out with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that you say that Zach's a gut guy because you know I, I, if you go back to some of the blogs I've written, I I gave Zach a bunch of shit ago, <laughs> um, about him going up against Ticketmaster, and I was like, who? And I, you know, I will eat crow when I need to, and I I wrote a whole blog, and I was like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Like, <laughs> he's more or less a nobody, and going up against the biggest ticket conglomerate in the world. Yeah, I'm like, there's no way this is going to work in his favor. There's going to be some something. The other shoe is going to fall, and I got to say, he proved me, and I think a lot of other people wrong. And I, I'll, I'll tip my hat to him because yeah. he's, the product is by far superior to a lot of other things that. Um, you know, unfortunately, we missed him a couple of weeks ago when he was here, um, due to some family family things that had come up. But I'm. 
I'm super bummed I didn't get to see the show because that live album you guys kicked off, you know, all my homies hate Ticketmaster. Like I honestly, I honestly can't stop listening to it. You know, and I wasn't I wasn't Team Zach Bryan six months ago. I'm not gonna lie to you. Gotcha. But now it's like shit, I can't stop listening to Yeah. This. He's undeniable. That's that's the thing about him. You gotta hand it to him though. He he weathered it a lot when yeah. it dropped and people were a bit unhappy that they were kind of like locked into their ticket. So like, you know, if, if a mom bought a ticket for like their son, the mom's name was on it and they couldn't transfer it. Yeah. Little stuff at the beginning, but like you knew there was gonna be a couple bumps in the road and, and he got past it and the shows I mean, like, you know, the shows have just been incredible with him and yeah. It's been working so well. Yeah, Reed Reed was telling me too that since they're doing it like in the round, they have the ability to like open up more tickets. Yeah. yeah. So I know actually my mom's coworker texted her and was like hey you know zach just opened up these tickets and she ended up getting like four floor seat tickets for like 125 bucks it's insane so like and in Ticketmaster day and age that's like impossible so it's cool that you know the people who didn't get the the pick the first time around are you know getting the chance to open up more tickets just based on the format of what they're the way they're doing it so yeah Yeah. you know and i think it's i honestly think what he did and what he was able to do successfully for this is going to trickle and more and more artists are just going to do it because it works definitely yeah but yeah man those guys are like family to us and it's it's been really cool to watch how much they've grown exponentially over the past couple years too and to like be along with them and you know we have some shared um shared people in the in the bands which is always fun um and it just adds to like the camaraderie so yeah, I, w- I think we definitely attribute a lot of the success to to working with Zach. Well, it was always going from the beginning, like little by little. But the the biggest leaps have always been like opening up for for Zach and and big people like that. I mean, it it is kind of like a an age old thing, but it it seems to work the best still. Yeah. No, I I want to stop you right there. You said you have some shared people in the bands. What what do you explain? Yeah, so uh, Reed Connolly, our steel player. Yeah. So he's actually on tour right now with Zach. Um, and then early on, I guess not in the band, but like as a musician, but uh, Louis Nice on Instagram, also known as Trevor Pavlik, um, started out with us and then Zach picked him up and he's been doing a lot of great photography on the road with him too and music videos and stuff like that. So, Yeah. We're, we're pretty intertwined. And then there's one thing I have learned through all of these episodes we have done, especially with our guests in the South, Nashville, Texas, anywhere in those parts here in New England, we are missing Southern fare and hospitality like you can't even imagine. But right now, fear not, we have the porch Southern fare and juke joint up in Medford, Massachusetts, just a little north of Boston. Um, If you're in the area or coming to visit the city, go check them out. They're at 175 River's Edge Drive. That's in Medford, Massachusetts. Again, check out their website, theporchsouthern.com. They have live music. They have the best food in New England. I'm going to just say it right now. The best food in New England for that Southern hospitality, that Southern fare. You won't want to miss it. Our friend Jonathan Post is the chef and owner of The Porch. Great dude. Glad to be working with them. Check them out again, theporchsouthern.com. Actually, 
can I say about Lucas? Yeah. Yeah. So on the new record um, that we did with Charles, uh, Zach's fiddle player, Lucas, actually came down and recorded with us for for two weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, when is that coming out? It's like late late summer something like that yeah it's that you're never really sure you know with all right. the pieces but the the latest like that would be late summer mm-hmm. nice now is it all done ready to go or it is yeah yeah i actually just got the the final masters back and and approved them so like as far as recording and and all the audio sides concerned that's completely done um and then we're just, you know, like now comes the the extra stuff. So you're looking at album layouts and distribution plans and all that stuff's being set in the works right now. Right, right. Now, so so could we can we venture to guess that we're looking at probably a, a bigger, maybe a major tour for the fall, winter, early 2024? Then Oof. it's tough to yeah. say. I mean, you know, if it does come out late summer. But you know, you would have some type of tour supporting that. Right. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Like, do, do you tour on records really anymore? It just seems like you just have your shows and then you announce the record comes out yeah. in the midst of them. We've, <laughs> we've been kind of accustomed to doing these like weekend warrior runs where we will go out on like, like leave a Wednesday, play the weekend and then come home. Like, yeah. it's it's been crazy because, you know, we talk about growing and not even really realizing it. I think. I realized it a little bit when we got a tour manager who was like, holy shit, like we, we got a lot to do. Non-stop. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, you guys are always out there. And cause you know, he's used to the typical tour schedule with the artists that he's worked with before us, but yeah, it's a little bit of a unique situation. So we'll definitely be on the road when the record comes out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would, I would say support yeah. for it would probably be more in 2024 because towards the end of the year, you get into like holidays, yeah. and winter, which kind of interrupts touring, at least for the north, northern part of the country. So I think it'd be more safe to say, like, if you're going to support it with a tour, it would be more of like in the spring of 2024. Nice. <laughs> now, is there anything you could tell us about this album that maybe um, isn't, you know, probably to some people not not interesting, but to us it would be <laughs> yeah so yeah. the the last two records that we've done um have been out of our, our own studio really it's it's been the the place we've worked out consistently for past five or six years and and this time around we wanted to like throw a curveball at it and just come at it from a little different place so we decided to do it in a different studio and um charles has this love of the Aver brothers and he, you know, watched that documentary of them, May Last, where they do some demos at Echo Mountain and um, down in Nashville, North Carolina. So this time around, he was looking at it and, you know, it, it kind of worked out that their schedule had some openings right around the time that we were looking to record. And we decided, well, hey, let's let's go do it there and, and get out of our comfort zone and work with uh, engineers that we haven't worked with before. And, you know, working back home, it's like, you, you go to the studio and then you kind of just go back to your house. So you're like not immersed in it. But this time around, we we spent completely like full weeks down in Asheville working on the record. Um, just, you know, day in, day out. It, it was a big change for us. 
Nice. Now, when you when you do that, when you immerse yourself in it, does it go faster? You know, rather than you know, like you said, being home where you can you know kind of get away from it. Uh, it's it's just a different space. I think like, like I was saying, you're you're like you're surprising yourself while you're there. You know, um, just being in a different environment. So, um, I mean, we were definitely immersed in it. Uh, we had we were there one week, and then had to come back. Um, for another week and then go back um, because that's how we had booked the sessions and if we're like well I wish we were just there two weeks straight but after about a week we were like we need a we need a little break yeah to like yeah. collect our thoughts yeah. listen to what we had recorded uh, assess it and then go back and do it so it's like yeah you want the immersion but also you you don't want to just lose yourself in it completely sometimes you yeah know? it does go faster though when when like you you can just work on it all throughout the day and then get up and do the same thing the next day um i i think when you're when you're hyper focused on it you do burn out quicker but the amount of work you get done within the week you you can cover a lot more ground that way yeah yeah i i could imagine i could definitely imagine you know because i i know from like not recording music you know if i'm at if i'm at home working on a bunch of stuff yeah you know i'm not gonna I'm not going to give it nearly the attention I, I need to if I'm like yeah. not at home doing it, you know? I think it's impossible to, to block out your personal life when you're, when you're back home. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, you have responsibilities um, to do it, but it's almost forcing you when you're, when you're somewhere else to, you, you can't adhere to responsibility. So the only other thing to do is just work on the music the whole time. Mm. I like yeah. it. I, I like going somewhere to to do something. Um, especially when we made How the Mighty Fall, you know, I would come to the studio, but I was like in grad school at the same time. So like, I, you know, Al would be working with somebody like getting a take of something. And then I'd just be like in the room next door, like in class. <laughs> so the ability to just focus on like, okay, all I have to do is come in here and like play the bass and just have an open mind i think it I, I i'm super proud of the way that i played on the record and yeah what we all did and i'm you know it got me really excited to just be able to go down there and, and be creative yeah you know without worrying about anything else really yeah, yeah. i mean it's important to like point out too that you know the the past two records before this one like we just weren't really like afforded the opportunity to block out weeks of some of the nicest studios you know to to do that so you know like it it is an amazing way to do it but like it, it's also a luxury too i mean i think it, it's important to point that part out that we we were able to do it this way because we had the the means to do it this time around and uh you know because of it we we definitely took we we took advantage of it as much as possible um and well, and I, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say with whenever we do more records in the future, like that's 100% the way that we personally want to work. But, you know, it's I think I think each has pros and cons to it. it you know, it's, it's kind of band dependent too. like if you're if you're not doing the live sound like like we do, maybe the immersion thing's not as great. But I think for us, it just suits us so well to just go in and kind of play as a band together. I think that's the best product for us. So that is how you guys do it then. You guys get in the room and 
you know, lay down the tracks all as one. And you don't do individual tracks where, you know, you'll do a bass, guitar, and then drums, and then blend it all together. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of song dependent. Like, Echo has a big room and then a bunch of isolation rooms around it. So we've, we were able to track a minimum four to five people per take. Most importantly, Charles was tracked live with the takes. So he didn't essentially do any overdubs to the songs. Um, anything that was overdubbed would have been like uh, an additional organ part that like Max would put in on top of things. Or if we didn't have a room for to put Lucas, who was playing fiddle on it on, that would be overdubbed. But like the the mindset going into it was like, hey, let's capture it all as much as we can through the passes and through the takes to try to get it as real feeling as possible. Um, and then to add more complication to it, we also tracked it to tape. So we did, you, know, you only have 24 tracks really to work with when you're tracking it. Um, so that limits you a lot as well. Wait, did you just say you did it to tape? Yeah, so we, uh, we tracked it all to tape and then we we would dump it down so once once we got it on tape the the beginning tracks like the uh the raw like first takes of things we would find something that we'd like and then we would dump it down from take from tape onto pro tools and then whatever dallas jackson here with tips and music artists are you tired of getting five dollars to play freebird how are you getting fans to engage with your own music? Venmo and Linktree are just temporary solutions until now. Tipsy Music is the one-stop shop for live music to make your life easier and monetize your set list. Tipsy takes Venmo, Apple Pay, Google Pay, and even credit cards all through your unique Tipsy QR code. The best part is no app to download, so fans can pay you quickly and get back to getting tipsy while watching you do what you do best. Sign up for free today at tipsymusic.com. That's T-I-P-S-E-E music.com at Tipsy Music on all socials. Long live live music. Hello. Sorry, guys. Oh, sorry about that, man. No worries. No. Uh, I, as soon as I'm, like, geeking out about how you guys recorded this thing, of course it drops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you guys did it from tape, and then you were saying – go ahead. So so the, the process was we had tape rolling at all times when we were starting songs, and we, we set up as much as possible in the room to capture it to the 24 tracks that we had. So – we would do five to six takes per song until it felt right. Charles was playing and singing live. We were shooting for keepers when he was doing that because we found that like his, his best way to get his, his like real performance is just to play and perform it for, for real. So we would track it until we felt it was the right take. And we would amass about five to six takes on the roll of tape you have about 30 minutes or so when you're recording at 15 ips on on two inch tape so we would store about five to six tapes takes on the tape once we felt it was good and we had enough to work with you dump the take tape down to pro tools and then, then it becomes a digital session after that so you're able to manipulate it and work with it and if you need to do any light editing or anything you could do that in the computer no problem and then if there's any overdubs, like additional things that we needed to do, that was overdubbed through the tape machine, put onto Pro Tools, and then um, edited afterward. 
but the main thing we wanted to do was make sure everything passed through tape at least one time while recording this time around. Now, how much of a difference of a sound do you get from doing it that way? Yeah, man, it's, it's some stuff I feel like benefits from it. And, and some stuff I wished we didn't, if I'm honest, like, okay. Sometimes it's drums and bass, piano, uh, electric guitars seem to always benefit from tape. Mm. It, they, they always get better. Tape, tape saturates on the top end. So you get a little bit more like distortion and just good harmonics on the top. And then tape has um, head bump on the bottom. So it actually like lifts 60 to 100 hertz, you know, on the bottom side of it. So like all your kick drums and basses and all that shit sounds way better. Sometimes though, like what I found mixing it is Charles's vocal would get a little hot when printed to tape and it wasn't like as crystal clear as you'd want it. But overall it was, it was still beneficial. Like, you know, like the, the, the hair splitting that you're doing at that point wasn't even worth like the decision to not do it to tape because right. in general, everything just seems to like amplify itself when put onto the tape machine. Now, how many bands or artists are doing it that way? Is there anybody that's really doing it that way anymore? Yeah, I mean, Zach did all of American Heartbreak similarly. I think they they tracked a tape and then dumped down as well. Um, I, you know, I can't speak for many more. I know Julian at Echo said that he hadn't done a tape session in in like a year or so. So it's not going away, but it's also not as prevalent it's it's definitely it definitely makes the process harder i think yeah. there, there's no way around it it just complicates everything like if you're using a metronome all of a sudden that becomes more complicated and like your headphone sends become more complicated and then for me mixing it after the fact um because a lot of songs are on the acoustic side I mean, you, you can't get away from the amount of hiss that tape just inherently adds to every single thing that you record onto it. So, right. so then you have to go in afterward, after you're done with compression and all that stuff, you have to see how much hiss is on it, your thing. And then I, I had to de-hiss a lot of stuff, like vocals and acoustic guitars and everything. Because if you were to master with all the hiss that tape adds to it, you would put in your headphones and just hear like, white noise basically on top of everything damn damn so if you take out the tape portion how long you know how much does the tape add to the whole process without it or without it it really wasn't i'm like a huge stop on like our like process right it would be like julian would we'd be recording and then he'd be like all right like uh i gotta flip the tape or yeah i gotta I got to dump this or whatever. You have to play back the tape to record it onto Pro Tools. So essentially, like, everything you put on tape needs to be re-listened back through the computer. So you do that. Um, it, it honestly helped, too, that we were trying to track as much keeper information while recording it to tape. Because then you don't have to go retrace your steps after the fact. Right. Most we played on tape just stayed there anyway so that that didn't slow the process down but but also julian i mean he put in pre-pro hours just True. calibrating the thing the thing like 
in the middle of a song, like half of the track stopped working. So we had to like get a new power supply for it Oh shit! in the I middle of the recording that. session. Yeah. So he had to like tech the thing. So it's one side of it is, is the, the time it adds to it, but it's also just the unreliability of using a machine that was built 30 or 40 years ago. Right. Right. But you yeah. know what? You're, you're probably getting a much more superior product than without it. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Charles, he uh, he loves it. I I I love tape because it it sounds great, but it also makes my life a little more complicated. But Charles is like fully head over heels about tape. Like he's he wants to buy a tape machine. He loves it so much. <laughs> it's true. It, it it does. It just it seems to sweeten everything, and it also I think it's a good thing that it slows the process down because it makes you commit to a lot more things while you're recording. Yeah, right. like really forces you to like interact with what you just did because yeah. you have to play it back. Yeah. Like there's no way around that. On Pro Tools, everything can be replaced or thrown away, or you just have unlimited playlists that you can do multiple takes on. But with with tape, it was it's a bit more like boots on the ground. So you gotta you gotta know what you're gonna do ahead of time. And I think um that isn't always the case for bands going into albums. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, you know, sitting in a room and let's see what we get kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So how long from, you know, you said it's ready to go, but how long did it take in total from the start of the process to it being complete for this record? Um, so Charles wrote, uh a shit ton through 2021 right Mm -hmm. yeah so like because we didn't spend virtually any time back home the only way he could get new material for the record is just writing on the road so a lot of the times for him at least was spent through 2021 just getting the songs together and towards the end of that year is uh the time where you start to like see what you got kind of put them all together and see what songs fit in the work you know, of the album. So right around the fall to, to winter of 2021, um, or I'm sorry, 2022. So yeah, 2022 is when he did all that. Um, he was uh, writing all the new material. Then at the turn of this year, uh, we started tracking it in January, um, which took about two weeks of full band tracking. And then another week or so of just like cleanup just reassessment, anything else like that. And then I took it back to um, our studio back in Pittsburgh. And it took me honestly like a full three weeks to, to mix it all um, because it's on the bigger side of albums. You know, it's, it, that seems to be the trend nowadays to, to do bigger albums. So this one has a good amount of songs on it. And um, you know, it, it took me about three weeks to mix it. Um, and then, uh, you know, another couple weeks of just, um making sure the mixes are good and mastering and all that so pretty much by the end of april i would say we were looking at the finish line of it damn that's that's incredible i yeah. never really realized how much work actually goes to putting a record together that's incredible that's nuts it's, yeah it's crazy to think about like, the perspective that we have as a band um making a record because it's really unique because obviously al does so much more than just you know 
play guitar or, you know, he, he makes it like, like Seneca and how the mighty fall were complete torrent productions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the only, really, it was, it wasn't until this one where there was another guy behind the soundboard and that was Julian. Right. Uh, who kills it on everything has worked with amazing people. And he's, he's just so efficient, but I think, having Al in our band allows us to see like the frustration that engineers and producers go through and how much legwork they have to do. We literally took off an entire like three weeks just so Al can produce the record. And it was like three weeks, three weeks really well spent. So, yeah. Damn. And the schedule, you know, when you're, that's the thing, you can't hand it off to somebody else to work on it while you're working on the road. So so we had to build in about a month or so of, of just off time just so we could finish the thing. So you hear, you know, obviously it probably works easier, like you just said, you know, to hand off something to somebody else, you know, like the, you know, the big guy. Yeah. All that stuff. But, um, you know, when you guys are on the road, what is that? What do those days look like for you? You know, as as the band unit, you know, Forget about, you know, I'm sure what Charles has to do is a completely different at times than what, what you guys are responsible for. But, you know, in between city to city or whatnot, like, what are you, what are your days spent doing? Like, what do you, how do you pass the time? Um, well, it, it's funny because we're currently um, getting a, a big space together, a big garage. We're cleaning it out. We're turning it into a, a rehearsal space so that we can, we can play music together while we're, we're not here. Um, or we're not on the road. I'm sorry. Um, because most of the time when we're home, you just kind of want to, you know, you just want to veg out. You don't want to do anything. And, mm-hmm. uh, but also when you're on the road, you're, you're doing the same thing every night. You're staying in the same hotels every night. And, um, you know, it's, there's not a lot of time for music on the road. So we're trying to amend that by making a, like a rehearsal space, a recording space outside of Al's studio, you know, so that he can have that to do his own work. But, he also lives here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, I mean, to answer your question, what do we do when we're on the road? Like nothing. <laughs> um, but I think, like I said, we're trying to get to a place where we're starting to just, you know, have fun making music when we're not on the road. Yeah. Did, did you mean between like runs or between like shows in a run? Uh, I mean, really, whatever, like between shows and a run, you know, like what do you, what are you doing like from the time, you know, you, you have to do your sound checks and then, you know, there could be hours before you hit the stage again. Like what are some things you like to do in between those, in between those moments? It's amazing how, how regimented everything is, honestly, like you, you know, every day metered out to the hour and and you got to run efficiently. Like when you're running from city to city, pretty much like we get up, at the latest possible time to where we can drive. Of course, we can't forget our friends at the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company out of Canada. That's drsupplyco.com. They have great stuff. All of the hats I pretty much wear, all the camo hats you see me wear either on TikTok or in pictures or whatnot, all come from the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company. A big thank you to those guys out there. drsupplyco.com. Check them out. Canadian company. Great stuff. Check them out. I and make sound check, you know, because you want to get as much sleep as you can. So most of the times, and we don't have the, the, the tour bus yet, so we're driving everywhere ourselves in the morning, as opposed to 
that the night after you play the show, sleeping on the tour bus through the night and then waking up in the next city, we have to, at least right now, get up the morning of the show, drive to the next show, make it by sound check, which is normally like, you know, two or three o'clock, something like that. And from then on, everything is, I mean, you only have a certain amount of time for sound checks. You know, if there's some food available at the venue, that's about an hour that you have to eat that. Um, you know, afterward, you're, you're catching up with, with family and whoever you haven't talked to throughout the day, just in between your sound check. And then, um, you know, about an hour before the show is really when you start to, like, actually get ready for it and, you know, start to prepare yourself for it. Damn. Damn. So when so when I'm told that you know there really isn't time on <laughs> show days, there really isn't. Yeah. No, it's amazing how how little time like you have because you because you think like well we only have the show you know we're playing at I mean nine o'clock maybe we'll go on but up till nine o'clock you, you're pretty much filled with everything that um, throughout the day you got to do. It's funny because we go to so many different cities, but like you barely see them when you're when you're touring. Right. Most of spent in the venue or like what's in a like circumference of walkable things in the venue because by the time you actually get out and go do something um you got to be back for whatever it is be it sound check or you know you gotta change before the show get ready eat some food just whatever it is like there's just not a lot of time on the days when you're playing to do anything right now are you guys still you know kind of setting up and breaking down everything yourselves too yeah, for the most part, I think uh, over the past, well, really since like the year started and just you you move to vi- bigger venues, which means a bigger like, you know, group working the show, you right, know, right. so yeah. it's been it was kind of weird, actually, like not loading out because people just come like grab stuff out of your hands, you know, like, I don't know if it's like union things or like these guys are just like here to do that. But once we're on stage like all the gears on stage where we all set up our own stuff and yeah. yeah. We just don't have, we don't really have the means for, we don't have the room for crew yet. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's still as, uh, as tight of a ship as you could, you could have. I mean, um, it's basically a tour manager and then um, a merch guy whenever the venue doesn't sell for you. But also, you know, because the band is seven pieces, like we take up a lot of space. So, you, you kind of have to run with a, a tighter crew than what you normally do. Damn. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. That's, that's wild. I, you know, I got to tip my hat for you guys doing it day in and day out. I'm, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wears you out. I mean, that's why Max was saying when you get home, you just literally want to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just like want to sit there and just kind of like, I don't know, watch a movie or something like that because yeah, there's not, again, like the way we're touring with doing a lot of the weekends and, and um, the short jaunts like out and back, you, you just don't build in off days on those tours. Mm-hmm. You don't right. have time and you're trying to maximize the amount of shows that you have out. Any off general. days are like necessities because the cities are too far away from yeah. each other to do the yeah, drive in one day. That days. kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I, I got to say, if you do back to backs, those, those are nice days because the morning of the second show, you have nothing to do. And then you can actually like go get some good food and some coffee and stuff. Damn. Damn. So now I know you guys, you know, as we're recording this, you're off the road for what, another couple of days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you're back out there. And is it the same kind of, 
are you guys doing weekend warrior shows for this run or is it like a full three weeks or four weeks or however however it gets done this one coming up i think is gonna feel kind of long because i think we have four shows and then like we make it back for like a day off at home so i guess it's it's really when you look at it two weeks but we do we do have a day to kind of get back to um that's the nice thing too is like all of us except for our tour manager and one member of the band live in um the same area of pittsburgh so like when we're home we're home you know yeah which is is nice because then everybody's going to one place get an off day and then just you're back out um, yeah that, that's a good point like a lot of bands like we were just with cody jinx's guys and they they're so spread out through the country so like for them to get home they all have to like spider outward into different parts to actually reach home but for us just all being from pittsburgh like we can all drop off our you know gear in one spot and like well, hey we're home we get to be home we don't have to actually like continue to travel to get to our own beds mm-hmm. yeah that's nice that must be nice definitely so with everything you guys got going on the albums coming out this year and stuff is there anything you know maybe on the horizon that you're really looking forward to this year other than you know the release and and things like that is there stuff in you know your own lives or musically that you know it's like damn this is the second half of this year because we're pretty much almost there is gonna you know have some great things to look forward to yeah <laughs> honestly we're we're just on the road so much that it's you don't really plan for other things and it's it's not a negative thing it's just kind of it's part of the grind and it's yeah you know i yeah. think we're all kind of for better or worse suited for for grinding you know that's why we've, we've got here in the first place i mean you know there's a million bands to go and do it but we all as friends got together and decided to endlessly grind and put our lives on hold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for sure. um, I think, and you know, you, you roll the dice on it and you hope that things really break well and you can make a living doing it one day, but um, you know, really, you know, we're in that mode where this is, this is our life. So <laughs> we're looking forward to, you know, more shows and just getting out there and having fun. So yeah. Like we have a West coast run, which is always great because you get some beach time. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, like as far as the album is concerned like the the lead up to the album is always weird because you're anticipating it coming out and all the things that happen afterward but like the lead up to it is is like a lot of wondering what it's going to be like so it's always a weird time i guess for me personally you know working on the thing to because you never really know i mean you're confident in the work you do but like it's always like max said like it's all just a roll of the dice at the end of the day so um oh shit eric's getting married eric's yeah there's a life thing i'm I'm over here trying to think of something that doesn't have to do with music but like (laughs) yeah eric's getting married yeah congratulations eric yeah yeah there we go (laughs) yeah i was right i think doing a record at the beginning of the year just kind of like there's always this like looming excitement until it comes out yeah and then like anxiety and trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to stay off my phone after the record comes out. So I don't like read too much bullshit. Right. But like, right. It's yeah. also, I think it's also important to note that, that, you know, Charles signing with, with big loud now just changes everything for, for records as far right. as work. Uh, the first two were just completely independent, you know, distribute distributed just independently and everything. But 
but this time, you know, you basically hand the record off to the label and they they take it from there. So it'll be interesting to see like how that changes things for for the whole the whole gang. Yeah. Right. Now now does that does that signing affect you guys at all? Um, not personally, you know, I mean, um it's important to note that like Charles as a solo artist signed with Big Loud, but um it's all residual effects that gotcha. we, so you know, for us, like, we're guaranteed now to get more work outside of Charles with sessions and um, being on the radar of a, of a label definitely helps us if we ever want to work on albums, you know, outside of what Charles has. So if Big Loud, for example, you know, may, might have an artist that feel like could be suited for like the sound that we have, that's a connection now that we have right to them. And they can just pull pull us under that project and use it. So I think the biggest thing that we gain is just all the resources that labels like big a label like Big Loud actually has now. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now like for like something like this, you know, I know we had kind of like put it out there. Did you have to get, you know, like Charles's approval to come on the show or any anything like that? Did you have to be like, hey, we're gonna do this. Is that okay? Um no. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think I I think that we've known Chuck for since the beginning of you know his professional career that there's there's an understanding that he you know everybody trusts uh everybody else in the whole right. thing for sure. And, yeah. and that's important. Like he he knows that you know we're going to put our best foot forward in these types of things. And then likewise, Charles, I mean, he does the same thing in, in his podcast interviews. He, we trust that he's going to put his best foot forward for us. And there's, I mean, there's really like a family thing that, that exists here that I, I don't know. I've never been in a, another band, but I, I'm just glad that we have that in ours because I, I couldn't do it in a different way, to be honest with you. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I know eventually when you know Chuck gets on this show, I'm I can't wait to hear what he has to say about you guys. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had I have one kind of like technical question I wanted to ask you, because sure. um, I I was listening to it. I like I said, I've been listening to it a ton. Uh-huh. Um, but there's you know you guys open the you know all my friends hate Ticketmaster album right. Yeah. Now, the way that plays out, where you guys are playing Country Roads and it kind of goes right into Zach coming on stage, is that how it really happened or was that edited to seamlessly blend together? That was a crazy day. Oh, I, was... know it, I know it was super warm for you guys, but... Yeah, right. Yeah. What happened was um, just, I guess, like, technically, if you, if you explain it, it makes a little more sense. So, like, Zach... And his whole band, they they have in-ear monitors. So, like, when we open for them, normally they set up stage wedges for us. Yeah. What had happened, because we got bumped, like, literally, like, hours before the show. Day of the show. Dude, I'm in, I'm in Boot Barn <laughs> trying to buy, like, long underwear because I saw it was going to be freezing. Yeah. And then my girlfriend, um, fiancé now, I have to fucking say that, too, um, <laughs> at the time calls me and she was like oh my god did you hear and i was like no so i'm just like in this boot barn holding carhartt underwear in my hand and then they're like you guys got bumped from the show and i i like 
there's probably like a good like four to five minutes where I was just like sitting there like staring at my feet like what <laughs> what the fuck just happened <laughs> so so yeah we we were like okay we're just not playing right yeah. so you know we thought we thought we were just done we were just gonna watch the show or whatever um but it was you know credit to zach i mean he was like hey like i still want the guys to at least play whatever they can like whatever the minimum amount of time is that they can be on stage like i wanted to i want them to do it so but this happened we found that out though like a couple hours before the show after we've been like all right might as well just like pack it up yeah. pack it up and yeah. go drink at a high altitude right and like eat pasta and like just like hang out so we weren't playing at all but then you know like info got trickled down through uh our uh tour manager whatever that they were like hey like we think like you could at least play like one or two songs if you if you want to do it so we're like shit okay so we jump in a van and we drive all the way up to morrison um you know roll in a couple it was probably like a half hour before shows start and they were like hey if you want to play Country Roads, we're down. Everybody can come out and sing. The only thing is nobody has any stage wedges and, like, you can't hear anything on stage. <laughs> yeah. We were like, all right, well, let's do it anyway. And Max was snowed in on a mountain, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't even there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, we, you know, we ran on stage and, and played to no wedges. But the because... I think, don't quote me, but I think Morrison has a curfew. Um, they have like a noise ordinance at some point because they wanted to move the show along as quick as possible. We had to hand our gear off as we were playing Country Roads to all of Zach's guys so that the transition didn't take any time and delay the show like literally anymore. So whenever you hear that transition in the record, that is literally us like, I took my guitar off, handed it to Graham, like Nate handed his bass to Zephyr, Chuck gave his guitar to Zach, and then like they just continued playing the show as if it had started already. Now, did you guys get bumped because of how cold it was? It was it was the snow. I think yeah. they were yeah. about the hazardous conditions on the mountain, like getting up to Red Rocks. Yeah. Uh, and that comes down from the, the city of Denver. So and the city but, of Denver actually made that decision. It was funny because we're driving out and we're like, Oh man, like, you know, like we could have played or whatever. Like, you know, they could open doors early, but then you get there yeah, and you see it. Well, we, we, the first time we saw it, we rolled in at night, we, like a half hour before just trying to play. But then when we played it with Shane, we got to like be there all day. And yeah. when, when you see it, it's like, yeah, okay. The city of Denver made the right call. Oh yeah. And you're 100%. like, yeah, like it, you don't want anybody out there. But it's um, not their first rodeo, yeah. so they know right. what's yeah. what's acceptable conditions. And I mean, it was a bummer to hear it, but but yeah, looking back, you know, it's funny because um, you know, call it a happy accident or whatever. But if we didn't do Country Roads just before a show, it might not have been the first track of All My Homies Hate Ticketmaster, and. Yeah. That track alone bumped Chuck's music like a shit ton. So sure, it it almost was in some ways like weirdly beneficial that it happened that way because it put so many listeners on to Charles just from the fact that he literally started that album out with Country Roads. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's great. You know, I'm I'm surprised. You know, hearing that story that the city just didn't shut the whole show down. Yeah, there's a lot of people who got flights and. You know, like you're getting hotels booked. I mean, it's such a big production. I right. mean, 
10,000 people that go to those shows. And it's just, I think, I think they did the absolute maximum that they felt they could do under the, the conditions is like, we'll bump the show back as late as we can. You have to hard curfew it by the end of this night, but like you can't have any openers and the show can still go on. Um, and there were talks of canceling it too. I mean, I think, you know, just through the, the chaos of it all at one point, they thought maybe it was worth it just to reschedule. But I think the conditions led up, if I'm remembering right, mm -hmm. um, while people were filing in. So it was actually like a bit um, easier access than they thought it would be. Yeah. Because, you know, I know, you know, when that, when the album dropped on Christmas, you know, I remember putting it on and hearing Charles really kind of like for the first time. Like I had heard him, you know, previous to that, you know, nothing really intently. And then I remember going right to Twitter and being like, why is it me or does Charles Wesley Godwin sound like Eddie Vedder in a country band? Because it had that, you know, that kind of sound. And like now I think yeah. I fucked myself because now that's all I can hear is like, yeah, yeah. sounds, you know, and nothing, you know, Eddie Vedder is probably one of the greatest, you know, voices in rock and roll yeah. history. Absolutely. And like he, it just, it resonated. And I was like, I love this guy. This guy's great. Dude, okay. yeah. I mean, on that tip too, if um, we just worked with uh, Joe Stam a few months ago um, and did uh, a, a couple tunes of his. If you haven't heard Joe Stam, go listen to him because that dude also sounds like Eddie Vedder on country music. Oh yeah, it's wild. Joe's voice is amazing too. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny as we talk, as we're talking, and I'm I probably shouldn't say much of this out loud, but we're actually in in discussion not even discussion but in finalization of schedules to have joe on this show too so we're we're looking forward to that great man yeah yeah he's he's having a couple tunes come out uh now i think i think uh, a couple singles just dropped and yeah it, he's he's fantastic he's a great human being yeah we uh we actually were sent some uh some uh the things he's putting out early and what I've gotten so far is just absolutely incredible that the general public hasn't gotten yet. And it's, it's not, he's, he's long overdue. I mean, he's got massive, massive talent and he, he writes great songs and he's a really good guy. So yeah, no, I, I hope, I hope, but not now really do, um, propels him with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well guys, I thank you so much for taking, you know, an hour out of your Sunday on Memorial day to, uh, to chat. And I, I do have one final question for you. Um, yeah. I don't care how you want to answer this, but you know, because we are the Boots and Whiskey podcast, I always like to ask what your boots and what your whiskey of choice are. Oh, let's go. Shit. Okay. <laughs> so I have boots for me. I have Tacovas, and those are the ones of my choice because I've never had any other ones. So. <laughs> Max, uh, I found a, a pair of boots in uh, in Tulsa, and um, I don't know what the brand is but they're really nice and they're they're really cracked up and uh some of the guys were were jagging me <laughs> some of the higher ups were jagging me when i was at a show he says are those boots made are those boots elephant and i was like you mean like elephant brand and they said no they look like elephant skin because they're all cracked up and gray but, but i really like them so. they're great boots um i got boots mine are telling llamas and actually nate gave me that what was it your uh, grandpa my grandpa's yeah, boots, yeah. And he gave me his grandpa tony llama boots and um they're great they're they're black so tony llamas for me and then whiskey is bullet for sure 
Nice. Yeah, we we've been getting um, bullet like in the green room for a while, yeah. and it it will be that or Knob Creek, just like nine. Yeah. I'm, my favorite whiskey uh, that I've had is the Eagle Rare. Oh God, it's so yeah. good. We were in Lexington, and they you know graced us with one of those in the green room. It was super good. That was you know that was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next yeah. time you guys are either out in Colorado or, you know, really anywhere because it's starting to to uh, to go all over the place. And this is kind of like a shameless plug because they've partnered with us. But uh, 10th Mountain Whiskey, they have a bourbon absolutely to die for. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, we've we're working together. But, you know, I'm not a big bourbon fan and it is smooth and it is fantastic. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That. So, so check that out. You know, I love everything. You know, I, I've, I haven't gotten anything that I haven't liked, to be honest with you. Oh, that's actually a lie. I didn't like uh, Bob Dylan's whiskey, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but guys, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll hope, you know, when this comes out, hopefully we'll see you this week. And, um, you know, if, if it all works out, we'll be in touch and we'll figure something out to even just grab a, grab a photo and a and a handshake and a hello and you know that'd be great uh, we'd love that yeah just let yeah. me know if you're if you're thinking about making to the show mm-hmm. and we can get that we can get you on the list get get that taken care of for sure cool awesome yeah yeah, yeah i uh i plan on it um i uh you know i don't I, I typically work thursday nights but i said to my wife i go this is a this is a band at this level and at this size of a place that i don't i don't want to miss because before too long it's just going to be you know they're going to be too big to play in small rooms, and I love small rooms. So it's a little full circle too, because we did the Royale with Zach before, right? Yeah, yeah. So we did it with Zach opening, and now ourselves. So it those those moments are nice when you get to play headline shows at the place that you opened a, a year ago. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And the last time I was in the Royale, it was a totally different name, and it was probably damn 15 years ago so i'm i'm looking forward to it myself it's great man yeah it's a cool room yeah great yeah guys thank you again and uh you know we'll we'll be in touch and we'll see you soon perfect thank you jim all right guys thanks so much later bye well everyone there you have it thank you so much for tuning in today for the allegheny high conversation um it was a great pleasure to talk to those guys we cannot wait to see them on thursday with Charles Wesley Godwin. It's going to be a great show. If you're in the area, like I said at the beginning of the show, go get a ticket. You're not going to want to miss this. Um, so I wanted to talk about the Travis Denning show a little bit that we had touched upon that we had saw over the weekend. Um, it was the first time we saw Travis as a headliner. Absolutely great. Um, it was nice to see Travis headline a show. Um, we had seen him open before, open shows before and you know obviously two very different things you know travis as a performer as a songwriter um as an artist just fantastic you know he's really got it what he's really got it he does um i don't think he gets enough credit for for what he does and the songs he writes um but you know uh, who am i i just run a podcast but um you know, so go check it out. Go check out Travis Denning if you don't know who he is. Um, he had a number one song a few years ago with After a Few. Um, and as always, you know, the the folks and friends over at After the Rails, just wonderful hospitality as always. So 
a big thank you to them. We're going to talk more about the Travis Denning show in next week's episode. So this is just a little dabble. So don't worry about it too much until then. Um, like I said, social media, blow it up, go see it, go like it, go follow. We greatly appreciate it. Um, so really until next time, thank you so much. Remember here at the Boots and Whiskey podcast, it's all about real people, real stories, real country. And, um, you know, until next week, guys, or until later this week, because we're going to do two, um, keep those boots on the ground and the whiskey in the glass, y'all. Cheers. Thank you so much.